On today's show, the people have been asking for it for weeks. And today is the day we are going to talk about Nick Nurse and the possibility of him becoming uh, the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. So, of course, Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors is here. We're going to find out everything that went right and maybe more so what went wrong in Toronto this year and how did Nick Nurse find himself on the market. Let's get into it. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. My name's Kane Pippen. You can sit there and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Alongside me, the host of Locked On Raptors, uh, a podcast that we have certainly done crossover shows with multiple times, Sean Woodley. And as always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks and Locked On Raptors, I should say, your first watch or first listen of every single weekday. We appreciate the support, even through the off-season, which is sometimes when the fans... Uh, are most engaged in what could be potentially happening with these franchises. So drop a like, a su- uh, subscribe, uh, follow, rate, all those things. It's free to do and it does really help uh, both of our shows continue to grow and we absolutely appreciate it. Sean, it's been a, actually has been a little while since yeah. we caught up. And I did mention at the top and before we started recording that this is the podcast that has been in high demand. So we uh, we appreciate you taking some time to hang out. The people want to see me and not the Nick Nurse content is like irrelevant, right? They just wanted to see me on the Lockdown Bucks airwaves. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. And as yeah. you know, among Bucks and Raptors fans, there's there's healthy rivalry dating back a few years here. So I don't think that there was many Bucks fans that were sad to see the way the Raptors season ended. And I imagine mm-hmm. there weren't too many Raptors fans that were sad to see the Bucks season end the way it did either. No, I mean, anytime Kyle Lowry has success in a playoff series, that's great. It often happens at the Milwaukee Bucks' expense, which is also pretty fun. Uh, Not to make massive enemies with all of your listeners as soon as I jump on the podcast here. But no, I I think... um, I know there's a rivalry there. I've never quite felt the same sort of like disdain for the Bucks because I've always just found Giannis to be extremely cool. And for a long time, Raptors fans were trying to court Giannis to their town uh, with their various Greek foods and whatnot. And so it's always been like a healthy respect. Like that series in 2019 was just a really, really good series that a a team won. But I think it could have gone clearly either way. You know, it's I save the real sort of vitriol and hate for the Sixers and the Celtics and that in that they're ilk. The Nets too when they decide to kind of pretend they're a real franchise. <laughs> All right, you've got everyone back on board because the Sixers and Celtics. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can get around that. Uh, let's start, and obviously we're going to work our way through and discuss the pros and cons of Nick Nurse and everything that went down. But I think the more broader question that might lead us there is what happened with the Raptors this year because they were a team along with Miami, where when we were discussing playing teams and potential matchups for the Bucs in the first round, they were the two teams that I was like, look, I'm not watching them day in, day out. But they don't feel like a typical eight seed. Hmm. And I think that the Bucs will probably win. Now they didn't. But these teams look like they have potential to be a real pain in any 1v8 matchup. What the heck happened with the Raptors? Well, look, it was sort of a tale of 
two seasons for the Raptors, right? Like they were the team before they got Jakob Pertl and the team they were after. Before they got Jakob Pertl, they were just kind of like this misshapen mess of a team where it's like when positionless basketball gets too real and it's like, oh, but like actually this sport has been played with positions and defined roles for like a hundred years. Maybe there's something to that idea. The Raptors tried to throw that out the window and they just like, they didn't have center play. They didn't have depth either. Um, big problem with this team. The front office kind of bet a lot on internal growth and Precious Achua taking a jump and Otto Porter Jr. coming in uh, and not only playing eight games, then dislocating his toe and missing the whole season. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that went wrong. They, 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 they took the off season and were very conservative. I think just Justifiably, after the year they had in 21-22, winning 48 games, putting a little scare into the Sixers in round one. They were this fun, nice story. Leave well enough alone, but then expectation creeps in. And when you don't bolster what you have, there's that letdown potential. And that's what we mostly saw. When they got Yakup Pertle, they were pretty good. Like They were the 17th best offense, which was a drop-off from where they were before they got Yak. But they were number six in defense. Their lineups actually like made sense. They could mm -hmm. run pick and roll with a real center for the first time in years like it was like a very refreshing thing to watch the Raptors actually play basketball like a normal basketball team but still the depth issues were still there and really they had like five or six guys they could count on night to night um, sometimes five sometimes Gary Trent Jr. would decide to go off on a heater and that was six and then you'd sprinkle in your Chris Boucher's and Precious Achua's here and there but after that they were just getting nothing from roster spots nine through 17 when you factor in the two-way guys and fact one of the biggest sort of like conundrums of the season was one of their two-way guys Jeff Doughton Jr. was like one of their best bench players and <laughs> it was like a whole thing of do they convert him do they not who are they cutting yada 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 um so yeah the, the, you know the the lack of depth was very much a thing and then I think, you know, the positive vibes of finishing 15 and 11 after getting Jakob Pertl really went away when uh, DR DeRozan screamed very loudly in the ears of the Raptors and they missed all their free throws and gave away a pretty easily winnable play-in game against the Bulls. And that's left everyone feeling with a much worse, sourer taste in their mouths going into the offseason than maybe it should I don't know if you can evaluate everything off of a single game play-in and all that. People will do that. That's what sports fandom is. But uh, ultimately, they were a much better team by the end of the year than they were at the start of the season. Yaka Pirtle made, made a big difference, but they're still very flawed, pretty far away from being like a legit title contender or anything like that. And Nick Nurse, I, I think a big through line of the season was just sort of the souring of the relationship between him and the players on the team. And this happens, right? Five years in, like you're going to have your messaging where we're thin. And he's always been a pretty abrasive guy, pretty happy to call guys out when they're not, you know, chipping in on defense or not doing what they're being asked to do. And that works when you're winning 50 games every yes. year and winning championships. When you're not very good, it kind of wears thin and everyone's just kind of mad all the time, which is kind of what I think one of the through lines of this season was to answer your question. A lot of little stuff went, wrong for the Raptors and it left everyone kind of feeling like well that was super disappointing uh how do we nuke this whole thing and go forward if you're listening to the fan base uh I, I think for the most part they're gonna probably keep things pretty status quo but there's plenty of th you know and that Nick Nurse is like the big change for them but we'll see there's there's plenty of stuff on the table as well yeah, the relationship stuff is super interesting to me because it was very visible even if you're just scrolling through Twitter that Toronto fans, and this was almost a, a shock when I first started to see it because I was like, mm. wait, wait a second, three years ago, wasn't this the messiah of coaching? So <laughs> when you saw that reaction from the fans and then you spoke about you know, potentially over time, he, he might be difficult to work with if things aren't going well. So where would you 
strike the balance between the relationship falling apart, whether it was the players, it was more the front office, or is it a combination of everything? I think it is a combination of everything, right? Like if Nick Nurse has 12 usable basketball players on his roster going into the season, then it's probably less of a concern that the team is not winning and everyone's a little bit more happy and hunky-dory and it's easier to you know, sell guys on rolls and, and all of this. But when you're losing and then you're asking, I don't know, Gary Trent Jr. to come off the bench, or you're asking OG Ananobi to share touches and possessions in a lineup where there's five guys who want to try and score – it's harder to get everybody on the same page when you're not winning. And look, the best coaches figure that out, right? Like Eric Spolstra is like a genius at this. The the Heat start 11 and 30 in a season, and it's like, all right, well, let's just go win 30 of the last 41 games and get back to 500, and it's all nice and happy um, because that's the power of a really, really excellent coach. And I kind of think Spolstra is like the pop of our era, and comparing any coach to him is tough to do. I ultimately think... This is sort of the general course of things when you have a head coach. And I think, yes, Nick Nurse could have handled things a little more effectively, you know, maybe sort of dialed back the calling out of players for poor performance. Um, You know, I think the front office could have given him a better roster to work with. I think the players could have probably banded together a little bit more effectively. But ultimately, it just seemed like the communication was off. And, you know, I don't think it means Nick Nurse is a bad coach. I just think it maybe became time for a new look for a team that's in a very different spot now than it was when Nick Nurse took over when they were a ready-made title contender and was he was kind of there to press all the buttons that Dwayne Casey, his predecessor, kind of had trouble pressing. So teams go through cycles, right? And they kind of need different things at different times. I think the Raptors probably need more of like a, a sort of culture builder, a bit more of a sort of communicative guy, less the X's and O's as far as like a priority right now. They just got to get back to kind of playing Raptors basketball and Nick Nurse, he just wasn't really the solution for, for that issue as it stands right now. All right. Now it's time to ask really the big question. Do you think Nick Nurse would make sense in Milwaukee, given everything you've spoken about? And you mentioned X's and O's, and I'm very curious to ask you about the offensive side of the ball when it comes to Nick Nurse. So we're going to get mm-hmm. to that next, but we're going to talk about a new sponsor now, Bird Dogs. Now, uh, look, if uh, if you're looking to buy clothes and particularly me i'm i'm a a shorts guy i want to be comfortable all the time but there's three things that you want to be looking at it's fit comfort and versatility so the fit you you don't want to be out here with people looking at you and it looks like you're wearing baggy clothes they don't fit you so they got to fit well they absolutely have to be comfortable That, that is probably the number one priority but i also like the versatility and this is what i like about bird dogs because you can wear these shorts and i'm going to focus on the shorts in this instance because i am a shorts guy you can wear these shorts if you're exercising But you could also, if you're a single guy like me, there is a possibility you could wear these shorts out on a date and uh, there would be no questions asked. So that is the versatility that you're looking for uh, when it comes to bird dogs. So I highly recommend everyone checks it out and you already know that we're going to have a good deal for you at the Locked On Podcast Network. So uh, go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. And when you enter the promo code locked on NBA, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So that's bird dogs. B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S dot com slash locked on NBA. Enter the promo code locked on NBA and they'll throw in that free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So whether it's shorts, pants, uh, you just want to be comfortable with whatever you're wearing. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. I mentioned it off the top, but we appreciate everyone making locked on bucks and locked on Raptors your first uh, watch or listen 
of every single weekday right through the off-season as well. Plenty of content like this. And look, I might be on Locked On Raptors in the future, depending on what happens with Charles Lee, and we'll see how that plays out. I'll ask Sean about the Raptors' own coaching search in just a little bit. Uh, But let's just ask the, the most simple question. Would Nick Nurse, in your mind, make sense in Milwaukee, given the the state of the roster, the age of the roster, the fact that they are expecting, or the bar will be, to make the NBA Finals win a championship next season? I think Nick Nurse is about as good as the Bucks could do with their coaching hiring, right? Like, obviously, he has his drawbacks. All coaches do. There are no perfect coaches, but I think his strengths are suited towards a team that is ready to go win a championship and really needs those sort of levers to be pulled within a playoff series. And I know Bucks fans, Raptors fans have talked about this going back to the playoff series with the Bucks. Uh, I know Bucks fans have been clamoring for in-series adjustments and sort yeah. of, hey, reading the room and saying, hey, let's try this something different. Maybe that's not something Mike Budenholzer was all that great at. It's really funny because I think actually what Budenholzer does, sort of setting expectation and sort of setting a baseline for success is like something the Raptors could badly use right now. Yeah. So maybe there's a bit of a swap going on there. But um, we shall see. I know the Raptors interviewed bud back when they hired nurse in 2019 too um i I ultimately think that like nurse would be a really good coach for those hot moments in the playoffs where you've got to make decisions you've got to try different stuff out you know this is a guy who over the course of a single playoff run you know went away from a smaller look in order to you know start Serge Ibaka and Marcus All together against the Philadelphia 76ers and it worked they won that series he's the guy who made the call not exactly a difficult call but you know there was some thought to go into it of all right Kawhi is going to guard Giannis now and that's just going to be the way this goes he ran a freaking box and one on Steph Curry in the NBA playoff in the NBA finals and it more or less got Fred Van Vliet an all, uh, a finals MVP vote out of it like it worked. It was people laughed at it at the time, but it's like, how can you argue with the results and the way that he's coached defense? I mean, it's undeniable. There's been an impact across the league. He's changed the way defense has been played in a lot of ways. He's reintroduced a lot of zone concepts that were kind of dead in the water for a while. And he is a really good tactician and all season long, sort of down the stretch of the year where it seemed like this nurse thing might come to a head with the Raptors. You know, my sort of counterpoint to you know, I, I was ultimately on the side of maybe it's just time for something new and a fresh voice. But the counterpoint there is you fire Nick Nurse and you get into a playoff series next year, two years down the line, you're going to wish you had Nick Nurse there to pull the levers and press the buttons in a certain matchup because that's just the stuff he does really well. He's excellent at taking what he has at his disposal, throwing it all at a game, and hopefully coming out on the, on the right side of it. And more often than not, he did during his time in Toronto. So I think for a Bucks team that has had issues with those in-series adjustments, Nurse would be a really, really excellent choice. You can get to the bigger questions about his offensive philosophies, which are basically just like, do what you want, guys. Like, there's not a ton in terms of structure there. His defense, obviously, was kind of controversial the way he played it in Toronto. I would imagine he'd have to sort of reimagine his own defensive philosophies and stylings probably if he were to take over this bucks team just considering the personnel but uh you know he's he's a smart guy and he's a really really good tactician and i think that's exactly what the bucks could use right now so i think that half of that has got bucks fans very excited because the idea or even the word adjustments and innovation of whatever <laughs> you want to call it bucks fans will be falling over themselves because you know i was always a, a bud defender i would say that but you know, that's the one thing. And certainly we've seen some shortcomings in the postseason. 
Uh, but then when you talk about the offense and just doing what you want, I think Bucks fans mm. are thinking, hang on, that feels like kind of what they were doing already. So it's going to be fascinating. We'll get to the offense in just a little bit. I will say, so I'm in Denver right now. I was at game one Lakers Nuggets last night and watching mm. Darvin Ham get to the fourth quarter. And he's like, okay, this isn't working on Nikola Jokic. Let's put Rui Hachimura out there. Let's see if we can change things up a little bit. And I imagine there were some Bucks fans going, geez, Darvin Ham looks like he's, he's coached a good season <laughs> over there uh, in LA so far. All right, offensively then, uh, you already sort of mentioned it there. What, what was the biggest frustration that came you know, from your point of view uh, watching this team on that end of the floor? Probably when you didn't have an absolute machine like Kawhi Leonard who can just uh, do whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, I think you know they've had good offenses with Nick Nurse without Kawhi Leonard. Like 2019-20, that team was a total buzzsaw. It was like one of the yeah. best teams in basketball that year, and they ran a really nice-looking offense. And, and you know they, they kind of worked it around Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam pick and roll, and that was great. I think in recent years, it's been a couple of things. One, I think Nurse has maybe gotten a little bit too static. They lost Chris Finch midseason uh, back when he was hired away by the Timberwolves a couple years ago, and Finch was kind of their offensive coordinator at the time. And I don't know if they've ever really brought in an offensive specialist like Finch to run the offense since then, which seems like uh, maybe the Raptors should have considered doing that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think, you know, with... The, the, the sort of criticisms the last couple of years have just been, there's not a whole lot in terms of imagination, right? It's, all right, they're going to go size up this mismatch and they're going to go post this guy up. But I think a part of it is just like the roster he had on hand. This is a team that tried to build the whole plane out of 6'9 dudes who can't shoot. And so <laughs> what do you do when you have a bunch of 6'9 dudes who can't shoot? You probably try to find post-ups and mismatches and try to score in isolation. And so I think you could argue Nurse tailored his offensive stylings to the personnel on the team. And to his credit, when the Raptors got Yak a Pirtle at the deadline, they introduced a ton more pick and roll, a lot more elbow stuff with Yak uh, sort of operating as a playmaker from the high post and all of that. So I, I don't think Nurse is unable to change or anything like that. And I ultimately think his sort of belief in read and react and everybody being able to, you know, make a decision with the ball in their hands and put the ball to the deck. I mean, there's stories of him telling Danny Green to dribble more, which like you should never do that. But that's the sort of way he thinks about offense, and he likes to empower his guys to go and make things happen. Um, I just don't think the Raptors' personnel was at all suited to that this year, and I think it, it should be a criticism against him that he didn't reimagine things around those deficiencies. Again, things got better with Jakob Pertl in terms of process. The offense actually got a little worse. Um, and, and again, to Nurse's credit, coaching a team with offensive limitations he decided to go all in on all right we're going to get offensive rebounds and we're going to run like maniacs and that's where we're going to make up the difference and you look at the numbers they were the 13th best offense in the league this year if you asked any person who just watched one possession of raptors yeah. basketball where do you think this team finished in offense they would not say 13th they'd say 31st perhaps invert those numbers uh like it was pretty grim when they were working half court but they found ways on the margins and i do think that's a credit to nick nurse realizing hey it's not quite working with the the sort of the, the the guys we have in the half court let's find a way to sort of 
game the system as it were um and so I, it's it's hard to fully evaluate his offensive philosophies and say oh they're bad because they're not all bad he has had success you think back to 2017-18 for the Raptors Dwayne Casey's still the coach they're coming off another sweep at the hands of the Cavaliers or another series loss the third second sweep would come later that year after a glorious season in which they totally reimagined their offense around DeMar DeRozan as sort of the heliocentric star and Kyle Lowry playing more off ball and that was I believe a top five offense in the NBA one of the best teams in the league that year as well and that was all credited to Nick Nurse taking the reins of the offense from Dwayne Casey so it's a mixed bag I do think it's very personnel dependent um and I obviously the 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 Bucks have a lot in terms of like guys who can shoot and dribble that the Raptors do not have and so he might be able to get a little more experimental there but that's certainly I think the drawback is he's maybe been a little bit staunch in his everybody just go play ball type of uh, stance when maybe at times a little more structure would have been really useful for this Raptors team in particular uh, it's really fascinating. I do think after listening to you, I have the sense that our listeners are going to be uh, potentially even more fired up for Nick Nurse if they were already in that camp. So we'll see uh, whether his name comes up in uh, greater discussions over the next few weeks. I don't, as far I mean, it's been changing every single day, but there hasn't been an official interview reported yet anyway. So uh, we'll see. I think most people assume Nick Nurse is going to have a job next year. There are plenty of vacancies right now. So we'll see uh, how it all plays out. I've got a couple more questions for you next yeah. the first one is about fred van vliet and then the next one is what the hell are the raptors going to do with their head coaching role so we'll get to that next all right around the trade deadline fred van vliet's name was mentioned and widely reported that the bucks were trying to get this man that destroyed them in the 2019 eastern <laughs> conference finals Oh, where are the Raptors at with Fred Van Vliet? Was that a surprise that he might have been in any of those those discussions? He obviously ended up staying. Uh, but what do you see the future for Fred? It's hard, right? Like, I think there's been a lot of sort of, like, unsubstantiated burblings, not reporting, just sort of right, whispers right. that... You know, maybe he is on his way out as a free agent this summer. Orlando's been brought up as a potential destination. Phoenix has been brought up as a potential destination. I actually kind of think now the Spurs with Wembenyama, <laughs> like really interesting cap space team, super duper young, could really use like an adult in the room to help massage along the growth of a center and, and all that. Like, it's, it's a really fascinating one. And so I think the Raptors. I think they got to try to keep Fred. Like, this is not a team that tanks. This is a team that's already traded a first-round pick next year. And I think they should be doing everything they can to keep him because he is the only player on the team who does the things he does. They already have a shortage of ball handling and shooting. He does both of those things. He's arguably the only guy in the Raptors who does both of those things at once. And so unless you have a plan to upgrade and have that skill set brought in some other way this offseason, I think you got to try to bring Fred back. That said... You know, there's all sorts of. I think the Blazers moving up in the in the lottery changes things a little bit here, um, because the Blazers are in a spot where it looks like they are going to trade that pick. And if the Hornets do the Hornets thing, which is to do the dumb thing and take Brandon Miller instead of Scoot Henderson, and Scoot Henderson's there at three, there's a potential point guard for the future. Pascal Siakam's a potential guy to go pair with uh, Dame Lillard as like a legit co-star for him would be really nice as far as like a compliment to one another, a really great fit. And 
maybe that's how you kickstart your point guard reimagining if you're the Raptors. You get Scoot Henderson and potentially Anthony Simons in the door in a trade, and that makes it okay if Fred Van Vliet walks somewhere. Um, you know, it, it's tough. Like, they can't go into next season without the skills he has and think they're going to be a serious team. Scotty Barnes is not ready to run the show for an NBA offense just yet. Pascal Siakam, if they keep him around, which I hope they do, like, actually, because I love Pascal, but there's a chance he's gone. But if he's back, like, he, he can run the show, but he's not going to be your lead guy every single time on a good, serious team that gets back into the playoffs. And so, uh, it's a tough, like, the Raptors have given themselves a really difficult offseason to manage they just like invited an extra ufa into their ufa party going into the summer by getting Jakob purtle um there are fit concerns with the lack of shooting between purtle barnes and siakam if that's going to be your front court going forward i think you can work around it but like it's certainly easier if you've got shooting to sort of you know, you know support those guys and it, it, it could go in all sorts of different ways with Fred. I could see him being part of a sign-and-trade to a contender. I could see some rebuilding team going to get him. I don't know if I see the Bucks being like a yeah. realistic sign-and-trade team for him, uh, unless there's like a Chris Middleton thing there, but I don't think the Raptors have any appetite in a Chris Middleton at this point at his age and where they are as a franchise. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really, really interesting one. It's a fascinating summer to be talking about the team because – after like a decade of just sort of being like, yeah, the Raptors, they'll probably do the smart and wise thing and be good next year. Ha ha ha. How boring. Like now it's like they could go a million different ways. A million things could happen. Some horrible things could be follow them if guys just walk. And I, I don't really know how to sort of predict how these next couple months are going to go. But I do know Fred Van Vliet's going to be tied up very much in that. And if he's not back on the team, they better make sure they have something to replace the shooting and ball handling he brings to the table because he's really the only guy who does it right now for this team. Sounds like me with Chris Milton. Uh, slightly different players, but that's about where I'm at there as well. Uh, last quick one for you. What names are at the top of your list if you have a list already in your own mind about <laughs> uh, head coach for the Raptors? Yeah, I mean, it's tough with coaching, right? Because it's like, what does that assistant do? I don't know. Yeah. It seems like everyone likes them. So maybe that's like the prerequisite. Yep. Um, I think uh, for me, like the short list in my mind, if they can get Monty Williams, like works for me, man. Like he's the kind of guy I know things sour with DeAndre Ayton, but his sort of whole reputation is everybody loves this guy and plays for this guy and fights for this guy and will be sort of row in the same direction for this guy which is something the Raptors badly, badly need. And I've kind of stated they want to get back to having like a culture of togetherness and a cohesion and all that. That was sort of Masai Ujiri's big takeaway at the end of the year after the Nick Nurse firing. Um, so Monty Williams is top of the, the list. I, I think Becky Hammond, I, I mean, I know there's the sort of stuff that's going on with the Vegas Aces right now, but she was reported as a potential candidate for the Raptors. I think that would be an awesome way for the Raptors to go, considering her track record, the things that she's purported to do well. Um, it doesn't seem very likely because I think the Raptors would actually, after to actually be the salesman in that situation because she's coaching the defending champions. Sure. She seems to be pretty happy with her work-life balance. She said as much, like, I think it's going to take probably more than what the Raptors have to offer to get her to make the jump to the NBA. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, the assistants, I think Chris Quinn in, in Miami pops to mind just because, like, I feel like sitting next to Eric Spolstra for all that time is probably good uh, for, like, just by osmosis. Like, you probably become a better coach, and it seems like, I mean, he's just as animated in people's faces on the sidelines as anybody else, as Spo is uh, at, for the Heat. So, like, sure, why not? Uh, 
Charles Lee obviously comes up. I think Jordy Fernandez is someone who people really like, the Kings assistant as well. Um, you know, those are kind of the lists. I, as far as retread types, Budenholzer, I could see the argument for, although I think Raptors fans would probably lose their minds if that was the way they went, just because Raptors fans love to hate on Bud. Uh, just it's it's got to do it. It's just the rules from 2019. But uh, those are kind of the names. It, it's honestly, ultimately. They got to just get someone who can command the respect of the people in the room and get everybody on the same page, establish roles, establish a team hierarchy. This team didn't have that last year, and it was so evident on the on the court. And I know Seth Part now um, has been kind of on this a lot lately. Obviously, he's got Bucks ties, of course, but his thought of like coaching is more about the the personal side of things, like the head coach job is at least. And for me. You can get X's and O's tacticians as assistants. Get someone who's going to command the respect. Jerry Stackhouse is actually, I think, sort of the dream name for this. He was a former Raptors 905 head coach, beloved assistant in Toronto. Everyone loves Stack. Everyone, I think, would rightly fear Stack just because that dude is a little scary, uh, but in the right kind of way. And so th- those are kind of the names for me. But ultimately, it's just got to be someone who can kind of get the team all back on the same page because there were a lot of competing ad- agendas this season. And that was, I think, what really kind of undid this team that on paper had way more talent than a 41 and 41 team well jerry stackhouse i'll tell you what else he can do he can sing the national anthem uh pre-game he did that at a bucks playoff game back in the day as well <laughs> bucks bucks legend uh jerry stackhouse so uh no fascinating chat overall this this truly was a i, I think a, a really interesting podcast because i'm totally with you and i that was my big argument when it came to bud i understand the criticisms but I, I think what he built in Milwaukee deserves a lot of respect. I think Monty Williams is in the same vein with Phoenix. And, and ultimately, I think if a team hires Mark Budenholzer or they hire Monty Williams, it they the fans should be pretty comfortable that you're mm-hmm. going to have a, a really professional program. Uh, and then it's about building out uh, around that. So I totally agree with you there. But no, this has been a lot of fun, Sean. It's always good to catch up with you. Anytime, man. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump back on when the. Uh, I, I guess there won't be any time for the Bucks and Raptors to do any sort of big splashy trades with one another or anything like that because the Bucks got no picks and the cap apron is making it impossible for anyone to do anything. But uh, we'll certainly chat again soon once maybe the Raptors and Bucks are back in the same stratosphere, whether good or bad, in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> As for this show, we'll be back tomorrow and uh, so we're Locked on Raptors. So make sure you check out both shows, subscribe, drop a like, a comment, follow all those things uh, because it does really help us and it's free to do. So there's uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't do it if you've enjoyed today's show. So we appreciate the support uh, and we will both catch you tomorrow on Locked on Bucks and Locked on Raptors.